G'day and thank you for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are in a season of prayer and fasting as a church. We have 25 days where we're having a morning prayer meeting every day. We're also encouraging people to consider what they will say no to in order to say a bigger yes to Jesus in this season. So some are fasting from food, others are fasting uh, social media and TV and other bits and pieces. But the purpose is that we want to clear some clutter away from our lives. We want to free ourselves up in order to be able to hear God more clearly, but also to be able to obey Him more fully. And I encourage you to consider what you might do in joining with us. So our prayer meetings are uh, at the church every morning from 7am, but also available to to tune in uh, via Zoom. And we are pressing into the things of the Holy Spirit. We are leading up to a, a camp at the end of October, we are looking forward to meeting together uh, with that sense of expectation for what God is going to do in us and then through us. And I hope that you find this message encouraging as we continue to push into the things of the Spirit. God bless you. I'm a friend of the house. And as a friend of the house, I want to speak, as Christy said before, something into the season of what you're in, day 14 something to do with prayer and fasting okay i'm not exactly sure why you're doing that because i don't know all the detail but i'm hoping that something out of what i shared tonight this afternoon um i want to talk about how to receive from god okay and whether this is receiving his voice how to hear god whether this is receiving like a touch from god whether this is receiving anything receiving a blessing from god i want to talk really simple the abcs of receiving from god Okay, and this is something whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 50 days, or maybe you're not a you don't know Jesus yet. We're all in the place where we can receive from God, and I think this will be helpful to y'all. And the reason I do ABC is so it's hopefully easy to remember. Yes, amen. Are you ready? I'll start with a question Who is this guy? Anyone? Who this? So a few years back, a consultancy firm did a survey of 4,000 or 40,000 British people and they said, write down 10 people that you think are the most influential living geniuses of our time. The 10 most influential living, so I can't say Isaac, you know, Isaac Newton or whatever. Who do you think is the most influential living geniuses of our time? They filled out these surveys, they wrote down 10, they sent them to a bunch of experts and they compiled a list of the top 100 living geniuses of our time that have affected the world as we know it. And the list is a little bit old now, so some of these people are dead but uh, from when it was done. But it included people, as you might expect, like Nelson Mandela and Stephen Hawking. Remember Stephen Hawking in the wheelchair? Richard Dawkins, okay, living, living genius. Rupert Murdoch made the list, the Dalai Lama, Steven Spielberg and Matt Groening, okay, from The Simpsons, Bill Gates and Richard Branson, Paul McCartney and Hans Zimmer, J.K. Rowling, affected the world, and even Osama Bin Laden and Mikhail Kalashnikov. Who who knows what Mikhail Kalashnikov invented? AK-47. 
Okay, so I didn't say they're great geniuses. They're just, but these are genius people that have affected history. They compiled a list of 100 people, and this guy was number one. This guy. His name is Timothy John Berners-Lee. No? Nobody? He's now 67 years of age. He's a British computer scientist. And in 1989, he invented the internet. He invented the internet. It has changed the world as we know it. In 1991, he launched or loaded the first ever website. It looked like this. Genius. Look at that. World Wide Web is a wide area hypermedia information retrieval initiative aiming to give universal access to a large universe of documents. You didn't know that, did you? That is the first ever web page in August 16th of 1991. And today there are over 50 billion web pages. A new website is created every three seconds. World Wide Web. Boom. But so he he thought it, they, he called it W3. So he called it, yeah, the, the World Wide Web W3. There you go. There you go. I oh, know, absolutely blown. There are 152 million dot coms, and then there's plenty of other dot otherwise. The most visited website in the world, of course, is Google every second. 160, no, 63,000 searches every second. 63,000. 63,000, 63,000. After Google, the other top two would be Facebook and YouTubes. YouTubes on the internet. So YouTubes and Facebook with over 3 billion visits per month. What's the point, preacher? The point is, the wor wor wor, which is the World Wide Web, yeah, it's amazing, um, is literally this full invisible realm of unlimited resources, unlimited, let's just say, information that is available right now, accessible right now. The World Wide Web is out there, it is accessible, everything you need to know and some things you wish you never did are available on the World Wide Web and yet right now, except for one of us, writing notes, well none of us right now The guy at the back is drawing on that resource. Now it's there. It's basically unlimited. Everything you need to know, everything what you need to know is there. Yet none of us are drawing on it or benefiting from it, let's say, right now. And there's three things you need to access the internet. Number one, you need a piece of hardware. You need something that reads internet language, okay, that makes it visible or that can, yeah, that can understand it and read it and present it to you. You need hardware. The next thing you need is um, an account. You need not only the ability to access it, but the right to. I paid an account, here's my login, here's my password, now I, I have the right to access it. And then the third thing you need to do to access the internet is just to do it. <laughs> you need to fingerprint in, you need to deliberately check in, you need to log in, you need to access, you need to pick up that phone, which many of us do hundreds of times a day, and to intentionally tap in online. Well. The same is true with the spirit realm. The realm of heaven, the kingdom of God, okay, heaven's unlimited resources is always there. Always. It's always. It's all around us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And to access God, to receive from that realm, 
we need three things. We need the right hardware. What do you need to access the spirit realm? You need a spirit. God is spirit. And we can feel him in our bodies sometimes. We can, uh, we can engage with him with our senses. But ultimately, he's engaged in the spirit. We need a spirit. And every human's been given one of them. So you've got the goods there. The second thing you need is an account to log in and to know I've got the right to access heaven. And the good news of the gospel is Jesus is your username and password. Okay? So you have a right to access heaven because of Jesus. And the third thing you need to do is just choose to use it. Choose to log in, choose to check in, choose to dial up. Okay? And some of you have no idea what that is. And to, to access X-Gen are the best, okay? Because we grew up without internet and then we, you know, we whatever. Anyway, so there you go. So I, in a sense, want to talk about that because in a sense that's a little bit what prayer is. And I want, just want to talk, as I said, about the A, B, Cs of accessing God, receiving from God, hearing God, etc., etc. It's as simple as A, B, C, okay? Where are we going to start? Great, good, A. Hey, <laughs> you just say that because you're Canadian. Hey. <laughs> First thing is read Psalm 46. Let's do that. Let's um, grab, your, grab your Bible. We're all using the CSB. Psalm 46, open the Bible to the middle and you'll find the book of Psalms. And 46 is just after 45. So there you go. You'll work it out. Forty-six, yeah. Okay. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. I use the NIV. And the NIV says, an ever-present help. Ever-present help. Why can God always be found? Because he is ever-present. You can even move to Coffs Harbour, apparently, and he is there. He is ever-present. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Selah. There is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. God is in his city. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. But the Lord of armies is with us. Can you see a theme coming out here? He's always present. He's in his city. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth, makes war cease throughout the earth, shatters bows, cuts spears to pieces and sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. And if you know what most common translations, how they render that verse, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our 
stronghold. This is just one psalm of many we could have chosen with the theme of saying, God is with us. Our job is to acknowledge that, to be still and know that he is with us, he is in us, he is around us, and ultimately he is for us. No matter where you go, no matter what's happening in life, God is there. God is here. And our task is simply, A, to acknowledge his presence. There's a guy called Jacob, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and one day he is um, travelling somewhere and he thinks, I need to go to sleep. And like we all do when we need to go to sleep, he pulls up a rock and thinks that would be a good pillow. So he (laughs) plonks down a rock, lies down on the ground and he has a dream. And in this dream he he sees a staircase and it's touching earth where he is and it's going up into heaven and it says he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Ascending and descending. And he woke up and he goes, whoa, unreal, this God was in this place, but I did not know it. I did not know that God was here. God is everywhere, but sometimes we've just got to acknowledge it. We've just got to know it. The word there, know, can also be translated acknowledge. Okay, it's the word yada in, in Hebrew, which is, I think, where people, on, you know, Elaine from Seinfeld and others, when, when they come up with the phrase yada, 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 it means I know, I know, I know. Just move on with it, right? It's, it's a Jewish thing. It means to know. Be still and know that I am God. God was in this place and I did not know it. Everywhere you go, God is there to receive from him. The first thing you've got to do is just acknowledge it. And that can be the most simple thing driving in your car, turning off your darn music or your, in my case, podcast because I'm an information junkie and just going, hi, Lord. Oh, no, I'm driving. I'm sitting, I'm turning this way. (laughs) Don't turn that way. (laughs) Watch the road. Hi. I acknowledge you're with me. You can be doing the dishes, you're in the shower, Go out for a walk, whatever it is you're doing, just pause and acknowledge him because God's there. I acknowledge you. Hi, I'm making myself aware of you. Take time to acknowledge God. Just be still, know that he is God, know that he is there. First step to receiving from him. Hey, really simple, just acknowledge him. You can do that as many times in the day as you like and uh, it's one of the reasons that fasting can be a good thing. When you're fasting, if you're doing food, for example, and you get hunger pains, oh, why is my... That's right, I'm fasting. That's a reminder that I'm hungry. When you're fasting for prayer, it's a reminder that says, acknowledge God. Okay? If you get hunger pains, physical, you just get hunger pains. Why am I hungry? Because I'm fasting. Why am I fasting? Because God's here. Okay? So it's a way of saying, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word. (gasps) Lord, I acknowledge you. Is there anything you want to say? Okay? When you have that desire to go through your phone, but you're fasting social media at the moment, or you're fasting whatever that is, you go for your phone. I'm not touching my phone. Why? Because I'm fasting. Why am I fasting? To acknowledge God. Okay? Fasting, I'm not trying to convince God to do something for me. It's not a hunger strike. 
I'm not eating until you do this for me. No, it's not that. It's raising your awareness. It's, it's, it's doing something that is helping you be more aware of the God that's already there. Just being more aware of the God who's already there. And so fasting is good for that. And it's one of the things that hunger pains. If you're fasting food and you get hungry, what do you do? A, acknowledge God. Oh, Lord, I thank you you're with me. I just acknowledge you. B, accessing this, inter- this eternal realm. B is simply this. Believe that you can access God. Believe that you can tap into heaven. Believe that you can receive from God. I want to read Galatians. This is really powerful. Because believing that you can, another way to say that is by saying, believe the gospel. Believe in Jesus. Galatians 3. New Testament. A, acknowledge. B, believe. Should I just read? No, I don't want to read from the screen. I want to read from paper. Galatians 3. In verse 1. <laughs> you foolish Galatians. Who has cast a spell on you before your... Who has cast a spell on you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. I only want to learn this one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by obeying the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, you know why you receive the supernatural Spirit? It's not because of your obedience to a set of rules. You received Holy Spirit because you believed Christ crucified. You believed what you heard. Are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because of your doing works of the law? Or does God give you the Spirit and do miracles among you because you believed what you heard? You believed the message of the cross. Why should God listen to me? Why should God give me anything? What gives me confidence to draw on the resources of heaven? Is it because I've been a good Christian this week? Or is it because Jesus has been a good Christian on my behalf? What gives me confidence to access the throne room, God's throne room? I haven't lied this week. I put money in the offering at church on Sunday. I fasted. I looked at Facebook a little bit, but not too much. I've been fasting. I've been a really good Christian boy. I can go to God this week. Or is my confidence the fact, no, 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 it's not my works that I approach God. I believe in Jesus. Jesus has been the perfect Christian this week, and I am in him. And my confidence is because I believe in Christ and him crucified. That's where my confidence comes from. And so Hebrews, did I ask you to look at Hebrews? Do we have that on the screen? I can't remember. Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We don't, after all, have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive 
mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Why can I approach God's throne with boldness? Because Jesus is there on my behalf. I do not qualify to access God's presence. I've not, qual- I've not done anything to deserve drawing on heaven's resources. Jesus has done everything to deserve it. And I believe in him. I believe that God will give to me what I need because I believe in his good nature, not my own. Hey? I trust in his good nature, not my own. My faith is not in my good Christianity. My faith is in his goodness and the fact that Jesus, the perfect man, the perfect God, is my perfect high priest representing me. And the Bible says in Colossians, our lives are clothed in Christ and hidden in God. Okay? When I, Jesus is who I think of when I think about God. When I want to think about God, what's God like? I think about Jesus. Well, Jesus is who God thinks of when he thinks about me. What's Chad like? Jesus. I welcome him as if he was my perfect son. That's the cross. The cross meant that our sin was forgiven and we were credited with God's righteousness. I am righteous before a righteous God and it's not because I'm a good Christian and pastor of church for 20 years and haven't committed affairs on my wife and blah, blah, blah. I can approach the throne room of grace because I'm in Jesus. And all my good works are really important because <laughs> it means that people trust me and I've set a good example in life and my kids know that because dad's faithful, they can see a good God in me. So I, you better believe it, I live a moral life on earth. But I don't live a moral life on earth so that God is um, more pleased with me because I need to earn his love or earn his pleasure. God is pleased with me because I'm in Jesus and I am clothed in Christ and my confidence comes from Jesus. So why can I access God? Why can I receive from him? Why do I know I can hear his voice? I don't deserve to hear God's voice if I haven't been a good Christian. No, I can access the throne room of grace (laughs) and find whatever I need in my time of need because Jesus is my representative and I am in him. I am in Christ. That's what I believe. I believe I can because I believe in Jesus. Okay? And Paul was pretty darn upset with the Galatians when they started believing that. Yes, Jesus qualifies me. Jesus means we can access God boldly and then I'm going to be a really good Christian and make God happy with me. No. No, 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 no. Be a really good Christian. There's many reasons to be a good Christian, okay? But it's not to please God. It's not to get his approval. It's not to gain anything from God. Your account has been credited with Jesus' righteousness and that's where your confidence comes. I acknowledge you, A, and I believe in Jesus. and That gives me confidence. Amen. Amen? I hope you say amen because it was my uniting church and my evangelical brothers and sisters that taught me that. So I grew up Pentecostal and we had a lot of Pentecostal holiness pressure put on us growing up. God was angry with you, then happy with you, then angry with you, then happy with you, and you had to confess everything before you could ever access God. And it was my evangelical Baptist, Anglican brothers and sisters through my university years that taught me about the power of the cross. We're going to sing a song in a moment about the power, that the, how, how incredible God's love is for us that was displayed at the cross. I owe that to my evangelical Bible-believing brothers that taught me, you believe the scripture, you believe the gospel. 
we have an incredible saviour. We have an incredible redeemer. And that's where my confidence comes from in approaching God. So believe you can access him because of Jesus. Tapping in, why can I access heaven? Because my username is Jesus. My password is Jesus. And I've got access to the eternal holy God, just like Jesus. A, acknowledge him. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you're doing through in the day, you get hunger pains, set yourself an alarm every two and a half hours just for something random. Why am I doing that? Ah, acknowledge God. God, you're here. I believe in Jesus and I can access your throne. C, A, B, C is a receiving from God. The C is simply this. Connect with confidence. Connect with confidence. Actively choose to engage with God. The confidence of a son or of a daughter who knows they have a good father, who knows that Jesus has made it possible. Let's finish by reading Luke 11. Let's, I'll, I'll turn there in the paper again. Luke 11. Connect with confidence. What's A again? Acknowledge. B. Believe. C. Connect. Connect. Just connect in. Connect with confidence. Okay. Luke 11 verse 9. Jesus speaking because he speaks in red, as you know. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Oh, guess what? Get on the front foot. Choose to connect. Engage. Okay? You've got this incredible world wide web. This incredible world wide web available to you. You've got an account. You've got the hardware. Now flip and just choose to plug in. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. After all, what father among you, if his son asks you for a hamburger, will give him... <laughs> I, don't know, I won't do that. If his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the... Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Why are you fasting, Outpost? Part of the reason you're fasting, I heard Christy say before, is because you want to press in more to the things of the Spirit. You're asking God, I'd like more understanding, appreciation, awareness, uh, movement of the Spirit of God in my life. Or you want to see more of the Holy Spirit move. God the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask because they're his kids. How much more your good Father will give you, but your job is to ask. Your job is to knock. Your job is to press in. And that is not earning you the right to, to more of God. You have the right to more of God, pressing with confidence, knowing that you have a good, good father. He's a good, good father. And he gives his spirit to those who ask. So for goodness sake, log in and just ask. Amen? And that sounds like what 7 o'clock in the morning is about. It's about saying we're choosing Ask God for more. Who, you didn't get the first guy, the first photo I showed you, who was Timothy John Berners-Lee. You going to remember that? No, no one's going to remember that. <laughs> Who's this guy? Robert F. Kennedy. And the guy under the desk? John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy, Jr. 
This is one of my favourite pictures to explain something about prayer. This little kid, 1963, mum was away, she was travelling uh, overseas, and uh, so dad was looking after little John F. Kennedy Jr. And so he found himself a cubby under dad's desk. This was the most powerful desk in the world. This desk, the president's desk in the United States, represented one of the highest authorities known to man. Decisions were made on this desk that affected human history. The king of kings, okay, in modern terms, sat in that throne. What gives that kid the right to be there? He's a son of the king. He's a son of the president. That's my dad. It's just my dad. What an incredible picture of the confidence that that child has because that incredible authority, that incredible power that's behind that desk, that's my dad's house. That's my dad. And he was able to access that throne room, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? He's able to access that throne room with great confidence, the confidence of a child, to be able to connect with confidence. He could do it. He had the authority to do it. He had the right username and password. And he decided to play under dad's desk. I just love that. And this is part of what prayer and tapping in with God is like. We're not groveling to a great king. We're not fasting to prove to you how passionate I am. Because if I proved to you how passionate I am, you would do something for me because I deserve it. Okay. No, we've just sung in that song, there's nothing better than, there's no one better than you. It taps into the prodigal son's story because both sons were wrong in that story. One son thought he could do better away from his dad. There is something better than dad. And it's out there somewhere with the pigs and the prostitutes and the parties. He thought he could do better than dad. The other kid was wrong because he thought if he did better, he'd earn dad's approval. Look how good I am. I'm perfectly obedient. I'm not like that son of yours that's come back. I've obeyed everything you've said. That's how good I am. And both sons were wrong. One was legalistic. One was foolish. Both missed the father's heart. But both had access available to them to tap into his unlimited resources because he said, bro, uh, son, <laughs> everything I've had is yours and you've been here trying to earn it and deserve it and so busy working hard but this whole party, this whole celebration, that's all yours as well, mate. It's all yours as well. We can receive from God help in our time of need. We can receive wisdom in his voice to speak to us. We can just receive a touch from heaven. A, no matter where you are in the day, just acknowledge him. Just stop and say, Lord, you're here. Work in the cafe, as busy as it might be, back to the kitchen, pause for a sec. I acknowledge you, Lord. Thank you. You're here. B, believe you can access him. Believe you can, based on the confidence of Jesus. And C, just choose to engage. Choose to engage. At times you can do that many times during the day. You can do that together. Saturday, oh no, on a seven o'clock morning, the very fact you're here this afternoon, just choose to tap in and engage with him. Amen. Last time I was here, I was sitting on a stool for hours on a 
were during the week in summer in January and we had a discipleship training thing. What do we call that? Yes. <laughs> That's genius. You should call it that. Uh, discipleship training week. And Shane, Shane asked me to share around the subject of how to interpret the Bible properly. Okay. So all Christians get told you should read the Bible and you should obey it. Okay. But not many people get told how to. <laughs> how to actually read it. And so I did a whole bunch of sessions on that. You've actually got them online. And it was a real sneak peek into the book that I was writing. And it's out since I was with you last. So this is my book, You Can Handle the Truth. You can handle the truth. It's not Jack Nicholson. Most of you are too young to even know that movie. Um, you can Basically, it's from 2 Timothy 2.15, where Paul writes to young Timothy and he says, you need to be a work person, a worker, who doesn't need to be ashamed because you correctly handle the word of truth. You correctly handle the Bible. Basically, he's saying there's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle the scriptures. And I'm sure if you've been a Christian longer than three days, you've probably seen that. This book can do incredible harm. And this book can cause incredible hurt if you don't use it properly. Because it's like a tool. It's like fire. Jeremiah says, your word is like fire, shut up, your word's like fire, and fire is incredibly useful, and it can be a blessing to you in the middle of winter in your, in your fireplace, cook your food, but it can also burn you for life if you don't handle it well. Water and rain can be good, but at the moment, it can damage people's homes and ruin their lives if it's not handled well. That's not probably a good illustration. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> God's word's the same. You need to handle it properly. And so while many Christians get told you should read the Bible and you should put it into practice, not too many Christians get equipped, and that's what discipleship's all about, it's about equipping people on how to read the Bible properly, how to understand it, and what to do with it. And so I wanted to write a book, the fancy pants term for that is hermeneutics, which sounds very technical, but there's, other than that, there's hardly any technical terms in the book, because it's all about helping people in simple language understand how to read the Bible. So the whole thing is, 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 um, is like a mentoring discussion, we've actually got characters in the book where I'm like Paul, okay, and I'm talking to a young Timothy. Uh, so it's Chad talking to Tim, and you can't have a Tim without a Tam, okay? So here's his, uh, oh, that's the awards we've won here. We've won a few awards. So this is Chad and Tim and Tam, okay? So the whole thing is writing to Tim and saying, mate, this is what you do. And in the first part of the book, uh, step one, we talk about how to read the Bible properly. And so we look at things like, what have we got there? Choosing translations. Okay, which Bible you should choose, choosing translations, we look at the difference between that. This is part two of the book. This is about understanding, well, hang on, I know what the Bible says, but what does it mean? Okay, I know the Bible says women should stay silent in the church. What? <laughs> it's there, believe me. But what does that mean? Okay, I know the Bible says repent and be baptised and you'll be saved. But what does that mean? I know the Bible says you should slaughter animals and, and split, spill their blood. But what does that mean? Because none of you have done that today. Okay? Even though that's what the Bible says. So it's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's another thing to know what it means. And so we look at what it means. And in order to do that, we consider things like the audience. Who's it written to? Because all the Bible might be written for you, but it's not all written to you. Okay? A good portion of it's written to people three and a half thousand years ago. That's not written to you. It's for you but it's not necessarily to you. So that helps you to understand what it means. And there's also, we discuss things in there like the big picture. A lot of people, especially if they, people get Bible nerdy, they get lost in all the detail of the scripture because they, they, they forget the big picture of what's going on. Okay?
okay? So we look at the big picture. I literally have a whole chapter dedicated to telling the story of the Bible in one whole foul swoop. Here's what the story of the Bible is, bam, to help people see the big picture. And once you know what the Bible says, and once you've got a fair idea of what, what it means, because this is where a lot of argument comes, you then work out, well, what the heck do I do with it? What does it matter? And we talk in that part of the book about making certain distinctions between certain things, like what's really important and what's not that important, okay? What's really clear in the Bible and what's not clear? It's okay if we debate and disagree and dialogue and discuss about that stuff because it's not really clear, but certain stuff's really clear. Oh, that's crystal clear. That stuff, yeah, talk about it over lunch. I don't care. We can still be mates and disagree. You know, there's certain distinctions we can make. And ultimately, the book finishes by saying, when you read the Bible, the ultimate goal is to find Jesus. Okay? It's to know who he is and it's to know who you are because of him. And one of the reasons the Bible is relevant to all time, and particularly for our current generation, is that it answers one of the biggest questions people have. What's my, who am I? And why do I exist? And the Bible tells us that. And so the Bible is always relevant. And then there's a bonus part to the book which helps people to answer the question, how do I communicate the Bible? How do I communicate? And so it's taking hermeneutics to something else fancy called homiletics. How do I communicate truth to other people? And so I've got a picture of a pulpit for that. Oh, there's looking for Jesus and there's the pulpit and there you go. So thank you because you helped me formulate these ideas when I was here at discipleship training, I've got some of that out and you helped me get my juices flowing into last year as I finished that book. So there's some here today, plus my other ones, if you want them, there you go. But I'm not here to talk about books today because I'm not a salesman. <laughs>